I'm so glad to welcome you here to the Clark Howard Show. Our mission is to serve you and empower you so you make better financial decisions in your life. I'm going to do the first of a series of explanations of new tax rules that are in effect. Today, I'm going to kick off with a new tax rule involving 529 college savings plans that I love. Later, something else that's gone into effect is something referred to as the Inflation Reduction Act. It's a silly name for something that is not going to reduce inflation, but there are things in it that could save you individually a lot of money. And I want to talk about some of the energy credits you're eligible for now in 23. But let's talk 529 plans. 529 plans are an overlooked, fantastic tool that allows you to save money for a kid's college education. And college costs are moderating. In fact, there are a number of stories recently about colleges actually having to cut the net cost of going to them, their real stated tuition, and then the actual net price that a student or his or her family are paying for college because colleges are short students right now. People have been not as sold on college and admissions are down, including also a demographic issue that's leading to a reduction in number of people going to college. So people have become even more skeptical of doing 529 plans because even in families where it used to be certain that a kid would go to college, because I always talked when people would ask me about 529 plans, I talk about your family culture. Is your family culture one where a teenager is expected to go to college or not? Well, now there's a big legal change that Congress passed that makes the decision completely different with putting money in a 529 plan for a very young child. Because the earlier you start saving for a kid's college, the better it is for that kid for college when they're in school. You know, because the money has more time to grow on itself. So, as I've said in the past, you know, you don't know when a kid is two, three, four, five, six, maybe even 10 years old, are they really likely to go to college? And the consequence, if you put money in a 529 plan, and then a kid doesn't go to college, and you don't have another person you want to give that benefit to rename the beneficiary, is you then have a 10% tax penalty plus ordinary tax on something that would normally be completely tax-free. So now with a new law change, you can have your cake and eat it too. This is really cool. So you can put money in a 529 account for your kid. And if your state offers a tax benefit for putting money in a 529 plan, it makes it superior to the thing I always talk about, the man from Roth, I love Roth IRAs. You're able to put money in that 529 account, maybe grab that state tax benefit that may come along with it, let the money grow through the years, and then your kid says, college, I'm not doing that. I'm going to do this, that, or the other. And then you got that money sitting there. Well, now, and this will be in effect for people who already have 529s starting in 24, 
you can move the money into that child's own Roth IRA. Yeah. So you build up money in that 529 account, and then the kid doesn't go to college, or let's say they scholarship out, and they don't need the money to pay for college, and you got this money left over. Good problem to have. Now, you can't over the course of a kid's growing up put hundreds of thousands of dollars in a 529 account and then say, joke's on you, IRS. We're now moving all this into that kid's Roth IRA as an adult. There's a cap, 35000 So it means that you, with a kid, and these are good problems to have, right? That you've been putting money in and it's money you end up not needing for college or the kid doesn't go to college, Thirty-five grand can be moved from the 529 plan tax-free into a tax-free Roth. So the 529 would have had the growth over the years from age zero or whatever age you start contributing to a 529. It would have grown all through the years till or after college age, growing tax-free, and then transferred tax-free to a Roth, and all the earnings through that child's lifetime would end up being tax-free. And an amount that large transferred to a young adult into a Roth IRA would lead to a very comfortable retirement down the road. A kid getting that money in their 20s, having that grow till their 60s, unbelievable that amount of money. There are hoops to jump through with the rules, how much you can transfer each year. And so it takes minimum five years to get that money out of the 529 into the Roth IRA. But what a deal. So if you are someone who's been contributing to a 529 account through the years of your child's growing up, they end up not needing the money for college, you'll be able to start taking advantage of this provision Next year, putting money in a Roth IRA. Now, the 529, you can't say, oh, this is great. I'm going to throw all this money in right now, and next year I'm going to move it, start moving it into a Roth IRA. They're on to you. The bill writers in the Congress put in a provision that the 529 had to be in existence 15 years. So it had to be originally intended for college costs and not used for that then it can be moved to the Roth IRA. So you can't use this as a tax judge to throw money in right now and next year move it. And now it's time for questions with Grace as Krista continues to recover from a minor illness that she says is just a cold. All right. So this uh, question is from Rich in Illinois. My 17-year-old son is interested in becoming a professional airline pilot. He has taken a couple lessons and his love has only grown. He would like a college degree as well to back up uh, knowing the career could go wrong in an instant with a bad medical that you have to have every year. So my son wrote this question? I'm I'm thinking, I'm thinking. Uh, We went on a college tour and fellow parents were giving congratulations by the dean telling us to note that the most expensive bachelors uh, a child could choose. Getting all the flight lesson hours could cost almost 90000 in addition to normal college costs. Unfortunately, my son is not interested in the military route. 
What are some options besides the military route to have him pursue his dream and lower the cost of what all these all-inclusive university programs offer? All right. So this is a great question, Rich, and something that is a very active conversation in our household. Our 17-year-old is, he's passed his FAA written. The pilots will know what I'm talking about. And he got a 93, not in 100. But anyway, got a 93 on that. And he's going to take his FAA check ride in just a few weeks. And he'll have his first level license, which, Rich, they may have said at the college, a lot of the colleges want the incoming students going into a flight program to have the PPL, the private pilot's license, before they enter school. But it's fine to get that also at a college or university. So the huge amount of cost for flight hours, what a lot of people are finding is that you are able to get additional money from the school. And if your son has applied to multiple universities with flight programs, you basically put them into competition with each other and see if there are subsidies, scholarships, or grants that are available to lower the cost of those flight hours. The other possibility I've seen at a lot of the schools we visited with our 17-year-old is that a lot of the students who don't have the resources, family resources, to pay for all the flight hours become flight instructors and get most of their hours as a certified flight instructor where the uh, person they're instructing is paying for the plane and the hours, but they're also getting the hours as a CFI. So there are ways, and you should look online because there's a lot of discussion about how to cover those costs. My son made the same decision your son did, that we don't know at what point cockpits will become automated. We don't know at what point technology will completely change. And over a 45-year period, You have to have a backup area of study, and that's why our son is not going to just simply a flight school and is getting a university degree and the flight instruction. All right. This is from Kurt in Georgia. My 23-year-old daughter, she's an ER nurse, went online for a Black Friday sale on Walmart. I bet this is the 55-inch TCL for... It's 65-inch Class 4 Series 4K AUHD, all the names, oh, yeah. God, for 228. Oh, the was 228. The, the 55 was 188, and the 65 was 228, and know. they didn't get it either, right? They didn't right? get it. They refunded her the money, but not honor the price. I'm not sure how Black Friday sales work, but this appears to be a bait-and-switch technique and completely unfair to the new customer right off out of college any suggestions to get walmart to honor their online pricing so this was a mess up by walmart is their inventory systems failed them and failed their customers on the tvs so these tcls they were accepting the sales taking people's money and then canceling when they realized oops we inventoried out on them and walmart should have come up with some kind of make good on this other than just refunding the money. And I don't know if you're, they have not done, Kurt, any kind of blanket kind of make good on this, but your daughter should ask for one. And if she's not done so, 
she should find out who the general manager is of the Walmart location where she originally, the order was originally coming from. Well, online with a lot of the Black Friday TVs, they were coming from individual stores. If this was one that was straight walmart.com, then I would go to Walmart itself. Good luck. But I'd go to customer service, say, this is what happened. And what can they do to make this right? Because this was a well-known problem on these two TCL TVs that they took the sales, they did the deal with people, and then later they said, oh, well, we we didn't keep good track of them. They should have never sold it to your daughter because they actually were inventoried out before they they took her money, and so they should offer some kind of accommodation. The good news for your daughter, if she hasn't bought a TV yet, TVs get very cheap in the next few weeks as the TV manufacturers and retailers get ready for model changeover. And she should be able to get a 65 or somewhere close to that price, maybe not as cheap as the 228. And that's where getting Walmart to do the right thing would be important. And I know people roll their eyes when I say this. And I say this like uh, it comes up like once or twice a month. It never hurts to file a complaint at the Better Business Bureau website, bbb.org, because it's not like Walmart was trying to cheat your daughter, but the effect felt that way. And normal companies don't want to look bad. And so the BBB complaint may get her results. Okay, this is from Daniel in Iowa. Now that it's 2023, I would like to know if I-bonds are still a good buy. Last year, I bought 10000 in I-bonds at your recommendation. After maxing out my Roth IRA and adding monthly to my Fidelity zero-fee account, I will have a large chunk of money sitting in the bank that could use to buy bonds. I would like to stay away from putting money in the stock market because I have student loans. Should the president's student loan forgiveness program be voided by the Supreme Court, I'd use the money to pay off my loans completely once the payment and interest rate freezes ends while making some interest as well. I'd love to hear your thoughts. So the Series I savings bonds are an even better deal now. This is such a riddle. How could they be a better deal at 6.89% today when the last selling period, it was over 9%. How could six be better than nine? Riddle me this, Joker. Okay, so do you know that from Batman? No. <laughs> you don't know, riddle me this, riddle <laughs> me that. So the story is that now the Series I bonds are back to two forms of interest. You get a base rate of 0.4% plus the rate of inflation. When people bought the last cycle and cycles before, They got the rate of inflation only. So now the Series I is being sold for up to the next 30 years. You'll get whatever the rate of inflation is reset every six months plus 0.4 of a percent on your money. It is a real deal. So yes, buy this cycle of Series I bonds as well if you can afford to do so. On your thing about not investing in the stock market, I'm not cool with that. You need to be doing that as well. I understand your focus on your student loan debt, but ultimately, over the long haul, you need to have your Roth IRA and you need to be putting money into it on a regular basis. 
straight ahead, there's been so much of a blizzard of advertising by private companies trying to get you to buy stuff right now in January that the government has these energy credits on. I want to tell you how they work and what your move should be coming up. There's something that I've heard in the energy industry for the last 40 plus years. And it's a kilowatt you don't have to use of energy is a kilowatt you don't have to pay for, which sounds so trite. But the point is, we used to be blessed in the United States with ultra, ultra, ultra cheap electricity. And still cheaper than in many other countries in the world but not as cheap as it was. And that's because the general cost of energy sources has gone up over time. So now that old trite phrase from more than 40 years ago that the best kilowatt is the one you never have to use is something that is part of a new federal law that gives you instant tax credits in some cases and credits that you take off your taxes in other cases for things you do that make your home energy use much more efficient. The one that's gotten the most publicity is about putting in a heat pump at your home as your source of heating and cooling at your house instead of more traditional ways of heating and cooling. And the reason is is that the energy use of a heat pump is generally half what traditional sources for heating and cooling use. So the feds are giving giving 30% credit towards the cost of a heat pump, which is capped at $2,000. So if the heat pump's a lot more then six, you're not really getting 30%. But whatever you pay, you're getting two grand off the cost of the heat pump. Now I'm going to say something that has already infuriated heating and air conditioning contractors because I said it in a TV story. Don't do it now. Don't do it this winter. Unless your system dies at your house and you're having to put in a new system, then it would make sense for you to go ahead and do the heat pump now. But otherwise, you wait. And the reason you wait, because in the initial time period of a new energy credit, there's a pent-up demand with people that are into this kind of thing. You may be like, I'm not into this, but there are people that are into it. The cost that you're charged for the equipment and the install is inflated when a tax credit first becomes available. Also, a lot of companies that are just ramping up their knowledge with heat pumps, and so you're best off giving this some time to run before you do it. Uh, Solar, there's the 30% credit. There's improvement over the prior credit to put solar in, and there's no cap. So whatever they say the solar is, you get 30% of it back as a tax credit. That's really, really helpful. And there are a ton of different credits that are available under the law. I want to tell you some of the ones that are here. You're going to be like, why are all these things? Electrical panel. 
Huge credit for installing a new electrical panel, an electric stove, electric wiring, a heat pump water heater. I was talking about heat pump for heating and cooling, a heat pump clothes dryer, weatherizing your home, doing a project that you reduce your energy consumption of your whole home. And many of these start in July of 23, not right now. And then there are a bunch that are already in effect. And don't believe what you're told by a salesperson about what credit you're going to be eligible for. There's a really nice briefing at a website. I don't know who's behind it or whatever, but it's rewiringamerica.org. And it will tell you based on your income, whether you are eligible for the credits and will calculate the credits based on your exact situation. Because there are credits you'll be ineligible for based on what you make, and others you'll be eligible for regardless of what you make, and others that will have phase-outs based on income. So if you go to rewiringamerica.org, you'll see the calculator, you'll be able to do so, and we have a direct link to this calculator in today's show notes. So you will have this available to you. But this is one that I want you to go slow on. I don't want you to jump in with both feet. Give the initial hype a chance to wear down. And then look at using these credits to your advantage that your fellow taxpayers are subsidizing you. So you'll have a lower energy bill. So there's supposedly a greater good in this that we reduce our overall energy consumption. And that's why we have all these subsidies. Uh, Time will tell if that's really the effect and the benefit of them. And now it's time for questions with Grace here for Krista. This is from Jason in Massachusetts. You mentioned that uh, you avoid baggage fees by taking your little tiny micro carry-on. Can you tell us what that bag is? Thanks for producing such useful down-to-earth podcast and website. So there are many, I call them all off brands. There are no name brands I know of, of the micro carry-ons you can use on United and Basic Economy or on um, Spirit, Allegiant, Frontier, Breeze. That little tiny one you gave me, I couldn't use on Frontier. They made me pay for it. The tiny one. They made me pay for it. It didn't fit in the sizer? No. They, only a little backpack could have fit in the sizer. This was November, first weekend in November. They made me pay for it. Because, you know, for TV, we went to the airport and I put the, the suitcase in each of the sizers. Yeah. And it fit all three. People with uh, diaper bags had to pay. It was ridiculous. This was Frontier? Frontier, yeah. Okay. So, um, if you go on... Amazon or you go on eBay and you do micro carry-on, it'll give you the dimensions. You can cross-reference those with Spirit, Frontier, and Allegiant, and you did not follow a Clark Howard rule. Do you know what the Clark Howard rule is? (laughs) What is it? Uh, You've never heard me say this? When you're flying United Basic Economy or one of the others, you always bring a trash bag with you, and you put your possessions in the trash bag because... The cost of the baggage charge that Frontier costs you is much more than what the suitcase costs you. Because suitcase is like 20 bucks, 25 bucks for one of those. You abandon the suitcase, 
and you take your things home with a trash bag. And how did I know that trash bag rule? Because you've done it. I was at a spirit gate <laughs> and this woman's micro carry-on was rejected at spirit. And she, without saying a word, pulls out like a magician, oh, clever. pulls out a trash bag, puts her things in it, leaves oh. the bag there and goes right on the plane. Why didn't I do that? Okay, this is from David in Pennsylvania. Clark, I'm not a grocery delivery person, but I recently got a complimentary Instacart plus membership through my credit card that includes a $15 monthly credit if I use it. However, it seems Instacart prices are often higher than the in-store prices. Are certain retailers better on Instacart than others? Is there a strategy or technique to enjoy the convenience and some savings? Okay, so here's the thing. Instacart and Shipped you're going to pay big surcharges and you don't even know how much unless you were to get in your car and go to the supermarket they delivered from and compare on your receipt from Instacart or shipped item by item how massive that markup is. On the other hand, if you sign up for Walmart Plus and have Walmart Plus grocery deliveries, the prices you pay are the same is the prices in the store. It is a massive advantage that Walmart Plus grocery delivery has over Instacart and Shipped. And I cannot get my wife to use, she uses Shipped for grocery deliveries. And I've been trying for a year to get, because we get Walmart Plus for free with a credit card I have. I've been trying to get my wife to order from Walmart Plus. I love it. And she won't do it. Oh, you order oh, from Walmart I, Plus? I, all the time. I ordered last night. Okay. I need ordered. you to talk to Lane. <laughs> yes. I love it. She, she says the ship thing is so easy because with the app, it knows what you've ordered in the past. Yeah. And with the Walmart Plus too. It saves your, your my items. I think it's what's called. I mean, you save so much money with Walmart Plus versus the other two. And the Walmart Plus, the shoppers are actual Walmart employees. And the delivery is generally done by Walmart employees. And with Shipped and Instacart, you never know really who you're going to have. They don't work for the store. The only exception is Aldi, which uh, charges higher prices for doing pickup at the store. It's done through, I think it's Instacart at Aldi. And so you are paying a markup, but it's really well done you pull into a space at the Aldi and they come out with the groceries. And Aldi, what happens is instead of saving 35, 40% versus a normal supermarket, you're reducing your savings maybe to 25% because of the markup you have with doing the curbside. But if you want to save the most money on groceries, Instacart and Shipped are about convenience, they are not about price. Walmart Plus gives you both. And I want to thank you so much for joining us today. I hope you've heard something today that you can use in your life or pass it on to another person. Speaking of passing on information, I hope you'll join our community on Clark.com where we all help each other out. We all learn from each other. And I hope you have a great day.